2: Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I am super excited to have one of my favorite authors and a genuinely uh, great guy to to talk with. Nick Petrie is back on the show with his brand new book, The Sixth in the Peter Ash series. The Breaker uh, is uh, is today release day for that book, uh,
1: Nick. Yep, today is is the day the book drops. Uh, bookstores uh, and uh, pretty much everywhere you can buy books.
2: And congratulations and congratulations on uh, uh, on Peter Ash really coming into his own over the last few years. And uh, I know th- this is one of the series that I absolutely look forward to. Uh, you know, this time each year.
1: Well, thank you. That, that means a lot. It's 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 been a wild ride. I, I never I, I opened... This book, the books came in the mail a couple of weeks ago and I opened, I opened it and I saw that there were six titles. Like I'd written six books in six (laughs) years that just kind of, it still boggles my mind.
2: I'll bet. I'll bet. You you know, with, uh, with the sixth book, um, you know, when you've got that, that first five behind you, um, it, it, it's kind of like you step up to another level in some weird way and maybe it's just subliminal. Um, But how are you feeling about the character of Ash and your uh, the role that you play in in Ash's life? Like, what does it feel like to be, uh, you know, bringing out book book six? Do do you feel like Ash is is more uh, solidified? How do you feel about your relationship with him, this fictional character?
1: That's a really great question, actually. Um, You you always ask such a (laughs) great question. you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, my, I think it was the first novel. So somebody asked me. Uh, I, I did a book event, and somebody in the audience asked asked me, like, in what way was Peter like me? And I said, Oh, he's not like me at all. And my wife in the audience just burst out laughing. <laughs> uh, and I think in 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 some respects, it's been a it's been a journey of realizing exactly how much. Uh, how similar we are uh, in our sensibilities and our attitudes. And I, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a dangerous guy the way that Peter is a dangerous guy. uh, Unless you give me a hammer uh, and some framing lumber that i I can be pretty dangerous with that. But um, it's, it's a part of the, part of the challenge is to keep Peter evolving from book to book. There are lots of writers where, uh, the character is essentially static. and that's just fine. I, I love those those series too. Um but th- that's I think that's actually kind of a hard thing to do. Um, and so I, my goal is to kind of keep Peter evolving uh, just enough from book to book that uh, he continues to be interesting, and I continue to find uh, kind of new things uh, in his character and in his life to 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 share with readers so that we just get a little bit more of his life um, in, in every book. And it's not just the the story that's happening, but we get a little bit of his, his, uh, his character, you know, his past, his, uh, you know, some, some piece of Peter's life in this book. It's really diving into Peter's relationship with June Cassidy, who's his sweet patootie in a way. This is as much a, a, a you know, a June Cassidy book as it is a Peter Ash book.
2: It, it's funny how, um, People that are close to us, especially spouses, uh, can detect those things when when we think we're completely, you know, one way. And then she says, no, I I, I see uh, how these characters are uh, interwoven with who you really are. And it's uh, it, it's funny to get that reality check from someone close to you sometimes.
1: Well, it's, it's pretty humbling for sure. Um, you know, there, there are lots of things that contribute to the success uh, of a writer. And honestly, I think the person that you choose to to spend your life with makes a big difference, uh, in, in terms of how much support you get and how much encouragement you get. And I've been really, really lucky, uh, that, that Margaret is, uh, is, is such a great, uh, you know, champion for, you know, what I want to do in the world, and uh, for my work in general, and, and I'm, you know, my goal obviously is to is to you know pay that back uh, in, in spades. Uh, so it's a, you know, it, it's an important relationship, I think, for for anybody who's trying to do creative work, for sure.
2: Um, do you feel like that uh, that you know completely who Peter Ash is, uh, or is this still a journey of discovery? For you, um, you know, some, some characters kind of walk onto the stage with a full backstory and 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 everything. And we know all of their, uh, you know, internal struggles and foibles and, you know, the things that they're good at and the things that haunt them. Uh, Is that true for Peter Ash or are you still learning
1: who he is? Oh, God, I hope I'm still learning who he is. <laughs> um, You know, I my greatest fear as a writer it is to, is to bore my readers and to, to, you know, I, you know, we, we all know writers who we, we like their work until we started to feel like they were phoning it in. And that is my, and I, I'm not sure I would know that. Um, I man, I don't feel like I'm phoning it in, but, but I'm not sure other writers know if they are or not either. And so my, that's my, honestly, my greatest fear and insecurity. And so I, I'm working really hard to help Keep Peter evolving and to keep the stories changing. Um, that, honestly, that's that's one of the reasons why I set the books each book in a different location because um, I think you know using place as a character really helps keep, give each book an identity and to feel distinct from the other books. Um, so that's you know I, it's something I've been worrying about quite honestly from the from the start, um, and. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the real challenge. I, I am in awe of of writers who, you know, they're 10 books in or 15 books in or, oh, my God, 20 books in or more. And and the you know, the, the series still feels, you know, fresh and bright and interesting. Uh, and that, I mean, that's that's my goal.
2: Yeah. yeah with some books uh, and, and some ongoing series, uh, you know, after a while of having a character in one place, in one circumstance, um, a writer will invariably kind of take to the road uh, to switch things up, to change the scenery uh, and to keep the readers guessing and to keep it fresh for the writer. I would assume you've kind of done the opposite with The Breaker and where Peter Ash has has kind of been a world roamer. And in this book, um, there's a, a sense of of roots almost taking hold. What Tell me a little bit about the, um, you know, what your thoughts were for this book, and and why Ash's scenery is changing just a bit.
1: Well, the the first book in the series, The Drifter, is set in Milwaukee, and and this is the first book where I've come back to a place um, again, and so so this book is also set in Milwaukee, but it's a it's a different kind of Milwaukee. One of the one of the joys of of choosing to set a book in a new location is that I get to choose which version. Of that location, um, that that I that I'm depicting. I, I wrote a book called "Light It Up" set in Colorado, and it could have been a could have been a mountain climbing book, it could have been a skiing book, it could have been, but it's a cannabis book because, right? You know, again, it was I'm interested in in uh, sort of the the social issues that that are affecting our society, um, and so the the Milwaukee in this book is really a sort of Milwaukee's manufacturing past and and the manu- the future of manufacturing and. People who make things, uh, you know, whether whether there are things that are are for good or maybe not so good. Uh, and and the. I, I'm not I, I don't ever think, at least not yet, that Peter is going to be rooted in place. Um, but I did want him to have. To, to find a little moment of stability. and And that's you know, he's he's living with June, his sweetheart, and he's trying to to figure out. Uh, in a little more substantial way, kind of what sort of life he wants to live and how he's going to live it, and at the same time, June is is sort of looking at their life together and saying to herself, "Is this, you know, can I do this? Is this is this what I want? You know, what do I want?" Um, so it, you know, it's a, it's it, every book is a is a challenge to, you know, I, I always begin with kind of where is Peter? What's what is Peter's kind of emotional moment when the book begins and. And once I find that, that then I can really kind of get started.
2: Be honest with us, Nick. Um, by giving him uh, a, a, a brief window of happiness, you're just using that to rip our hearts out ultimately, aren't you?
1: <laughs> that is my job, man. <laughs> my, my job is to mess with this guy that everybody loves and to, and to give him this, this series of challenges um, because we all have challenges, right? We all, all right. we all have things to overcome in our lives, and and you know what I love about fiction is is watching people, uh, you know, do the things that are hard because there are things in my life that are hard, and so sure. I find inspiration in the books that I read, and and uh, you know, by by messing with Peter, also, I hope that the the story is a little more compelling. We add a little risk, a little danger, a little adventure, which is also something I look for when I read.
2: One thing I love about a Peter Ash book is that, you know, there are some protagonists and stars of series that are just nearly supermen. And it's fun to read those, uh, you know, as a, as a bit of escapism and to think of, you know, what, what people are capable of, or, you know, just, you just want to see the good guys just ultimately win. Um, and, and, uh, a Peter Ash novel, um, brings me a different experience not that we don't get to see the good guys win out um you know sometimes uh but the thing about um peter ash that, that's really fascinating is that he does have ptsd and you take this ptsd and almost use it as a superpower when this could be um a a crippling uh event or a crippling set of emotions that that he has um, what is it about taking something that that we might think of as a weakness or a character flaw and using that to uh, to the advantage of the characters and to the advantage of the story?
1: Well, that's super perceptive of you. I, I didn't really that wasn't something I realized I was doing until really I got to almost to the end of this book. Um I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, part of what I'm trying to show through the whole series is Peter's evolution from, uh, you know, kind of being at his worst place. Right. He's just out of the military, the post-traumatic stress, which, as you know, takes the form of claustrophobia. He, he can't be inside for more than 15 or 20 minutes. He can't sleep inside. He's essentially living either in his truck or in a tent in the mountains. Um, and it's to show that evolution from that place toward a more, um, I don't want to say productive life because that's really a, a, you know, Peter is not living a conventional life, but, but toward a a life that, that works better for him. Um, and and I'm trying to, to show that evolution and also some of the, some of the skills that Peter, uh, learns for coping with post-traumatic stress are also things that, that, you know, all veterans can use. I I have a lot of back and forth with veterans who, uh, about their own, um, you know, the issues that they have after war and 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 how how this character and, and the those skills uh, that he's learning to to adapt uh, are helping them, too, which is super heartwarming to be able to actually be of real use in the real world by by telling stories. Um, but, you know, I I think we we all have we all have challenges. We all have things in our life that that are difficult. And, you know, it's sort of Pollyannish to say, well, take, you take your lemons and you make lemonade, but, but that's what we all have to do. We all have things that that are hard and and we we all have to do things that are difficult. And, and if all you do is sit around and say, oh no, poor me, you're, you're never going to, you know, get, make your life the way you want your life to be. And so, you know, Peter really is at at essence, a a happy warrior. And, and he is, he he has, he has his issues, but he, he tries not to let those get in the way. Uh, and he just he just charges forward. And and I think that's a fine life philosophy. It's one that I'm trying hard myself to live up to, um, you know, and, and I do think it really is about perception. Right. If you if all you can see are the challenges in your life, you're, you're you know, it, it's really hard to to move along. But if you can if you can find ways to reframe those as positives, which is really what Peter has done, post-traumatic stress really is an overactive flight. Fight or flight mechanism, and you know it—it it, you—it gets turned on whether you want it to or not. And um, you know you can you can use it as, as a you know it can be a it can be something that's crippling or or it can be rocket fuel, right? And and I, and I think all of us we have something in us that we can use for rocket fuel in our own lives if we can if we can learn how to do it if we can allow ourselves to do it.
2: Well, and and we think of that response in a particular way, but it's fight or flight uh, you, there's a lot you can do with those two responses
1: for sure for sure and and that's really where you know that that's where that techniques comes in is to is to is to turn the the panic into focus right to turn the the fear into uh you know decisiveness and and uh you know this is something that you know that that uh you know, our, our soldiers have, have, are learning to do now. Um, you know, the Navy SEALs use, you know, yoga breathing techniques. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff uh, that the ways, you know, uh, elite athletes are, are using these techniques to, uh, you know, to, to work through their own uh, nerves and to focus on the game ahead. And I mean, this is executives, you know, but it, it, these, these skills are now in, in wide use in, the business world as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff and it, and it really works.
2: Uh, Nick with, with six books under your belt in this series, and I'm sure you're working on the seventh now. Um, but is, is there something that you do when that time of year invariably comes ar- around where you've had a month or two of normalcy of, of getting, you know, to live Nick's life and you have to get back into the head Peter Ash, uh, are there things that you do? Do you, do you have a ritual or anything that gets you into the mindset of a uh, Peter Ash and helps you to to channel uh, his story?
1: I do. Um, I, I'm not. I don't ever really have time off of Peter. I'm I'm either I'm either finishing a book or I'm kind of resting for a week or so before the edits come back from my editor, and then I'm working on the edits. Um, you know, and or, or I'm prepping for the book tour, I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm uh, you know, doing doing uh all book events. Um, you know, I it's I it's hard for me to take time off. And the schedule is such that that uh I don't I don't really get much time to to goof off. Um which is fine. I, I'm not beginning to complain, but so it it's uh, you know, I am rarely out of the mindset of Peter Ash to to be honest. Um Although I'm a big believer in, in ritual and in sort of showing up at the same time every day. Um, you know, I, I, I wake up at a, you know, at anywhere between six 30 and, and seven 30, depending on how well I've slept that night and what I've had to do the night before. But I, I wake up and I, I, I do some stretches cause I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 52 years old and I spent most of my life doing physical labor. So my, my body hurts a lot. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, and I also meditate and I've actually learned a lot of this from my research with Peter, that meditation really helps me focus. It helps me, you know, kind of, uh, stay disciplined. Uh, and, and like most writers, I, I have a pretty obnoxious, uh, internal critic. Um, uh, and it helps me to sort of see that critic for, uh, w- what it is, which is not, it's not, it's not real. It's just my own, you know, overactive, uh, negative, negative side. Right. right. Um. So and then I make I make a a cup of coffee and I make my breakfast and I carry them both upstairs to my office Uh, and I open the document uh, on my laptop. Uh, I've actually got a a big screen on my desk. So I I open it up on the big screen and I eat my breakfast and I drink my coffee and I stare at the document. And I'm usually looking at yesterday's work. Right. Um, And at a certain point, you know, I will see that a sentence needs to be tweaked or a paragraph needs to be, you know, kind of reordered or. Um, or the scene needs a little more emotion pulled out here or um, some action sequence I'm working on isn't very crisp. So I, I start to, I start to make some changes, <coughs> excuse me. And, and that's kind of how I, how I dive into my day. Uh, and I, I, I treat it uh, more, you know, like a nine to five, really. I, it's, uh, I, I don't, uh, it, it's easy for me to say, ah, maybe I won't do some writing today, but I also don't get any writing done. So, right. you know, I, I don't, uh, I, on a normal day, I I'm not on social media until my work day is done. I'm not looking at the news or listening to the radio or listening to any podcast. I love podcasts, but you know, my rule is I don't get to do that until I've got my thousand words. Uh, and sometimes that thousand words happens by two o'clock. Sometimes it doesn't happen until five o'clock. And as the deadline approaches, you know those thousand words, you know, become twelve hundred words, or fifteen hundred words, or eighteen hundred words. Uh, as the book begins to accelerate, as I work through. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, keeping your life orderly, uh, so that it's easier to pay attention when when the when the work shows up.
2: Speaking of book tours, um, I hate to give any any press at all to 2020 because um yeah. that that year is gone and you know it can stay in the dumpster fire where it belongs. Um but uh you know we we're still in uh dealing with some of the things that 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 last year brought us and book tours are are very different this year for a lot of people and um uh, I'm assuming that you're doing some some virtual visits uh, with people and of course you know podcast visits and stuff like that. Um, But how do you how do you see the events of last year seeping into your work or uh, are you of the mind that uh, uh, that fiction doesn't need to reflect reality? And and, do you have thoughts on that or how the real world uh, seeps into your work or not? Uh
1: I I mean I'm really interested in having the real world present in, in my work. My my books, as I said, are are all revolve around each book revolves around kind of a different social issue. Um, you know whether it's you know veterans or legal cannabis or race and class, um, or in this book again, sort of uh, the the power of a few uh, tech executives to uh, sort of you know inflict their version of what the future should be like on, on the rest of the world. Um, but I am really reluctant to write about the pandemic. I mean, it's, it's, it's messed with my mojo for sure. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a kind of a news junkie and I've had to dial it back because it just, it's making me crazy. Um, I, I'm really lucky in that I'm, I, you know, I'm not a frontline worker. I, I, I've been working at home for a few years now. And, um, so it hasn't affected that piece of my life, but emotionally it's, it's messed with me. Like it's messed with a lot of people. Um, but, you know, I, I really thought about kind of writing the pandemic into the book I'm working on now. And I've talked to some other writers about it and and I really, and and I really thought about it pretty hard. And really the conclusion I came to was that I don't, you know, I don't want to read about the pandemic. I'm living in the pandemic. And, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if, if, If a magazine is all they're doing is featuring stories on the pandemic, you know, I I flip past those stuff to read about the latest movie, you know, or, or a new book I should be reading. So, uh, you know, in a way, one way to cope with the pandemic is to, is to, uh, do, do a little bit less, uh, diving into it. And because of the way that I work, um, you know, I get really emotionally invested in, in each book and to have. Characters coping with the pandemic um I don't know that I want to spend a year that way so i I may revisit it at some point um or i may I may write a future book where something like that happens, but I'm just really looking forward to this ending and I don't know that I want to you know submerge myself in it anymore
2: yeah um titles of books are interesting uh to me Nick and and sometimes a title is is just, you know, an afterthought, uh, you know, when, when you need to slap something on the cover, um, sometimes it's more than that. When, when I first met you, when, uh, your book lighted up came out and, and it was uh, about that cannabis industry in Colorado that we talked about earlier, um, lighted up is, is kind of a, a tongue in cheek, funny title, uh, when you get what the, the substance of the book is about, um. What is the breaker? Uh, What does that title represent to you and what, what should that mean to us as readers?
1: Well, I'm really interested actually in in this question. Um, And my editor really uh, leans away from, uh, you know, titles that are uh, sort of common sayings. Uh, And she, she has a very definite idea for, for what titles should be. Um, And I, as I, as I write every book, I, you know, a title idea will come up and I, you know, go to the top of the document. And so, you know, the top of my document has a list of anywhere from 10 to 40 title ideas. Um, and, but, but I want them to have some relationship to the book itself. And so the breaker for me, there's a, there's a character in here who really um, has decided to. um, uh put his energies into uh, creating something that will benefit only him and, and will in fact, you know, wreak a major change on society as a whole. And so that's really what the reference is to a certain extent, but then the titles also refer to, to the main character in a way as well. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, demolition in this book. Peter is, is renovating an old house, with his friend Lewis. And so, you know, there's a scene with a crowbar. Um, there's a character with an ax. Um, so there there is a lot of demolition in this book as well. Uh, and so I, you know, it t- titles are, are are always kind of rifts on ideally kind of riffs on some of the themes. If you can if you can have it have a couple of layers, a couple of meanings, that's ideal. Um, titles are not my best thing. Um often I will I'll I'll submit a list. And my editor or my agent will say, "Well, they'll find some. They'll find one of those, and they'll tweak it a little bit." Um, so I, you know, I, and I never start with a single title. Or if I do, it's it's never the title anybody else likes.
2: Well, the the title of this book, The Breaker, uh, book six in the Peter Ash series, available everywhere now. When you're hearing this, uh, in Kindle edition or hardcover. Or audiobook. I, I've got to tell you, Peter, I have fallen in love with the audiobooks. I've, I've gone back and listened to the audio of everyone in the series. They're so fantastic, um, and I highly recommend them to everyone. Uh, we're going to put links where people can find any of those uh, formats that they like in the show notes. Um, where can people find you online if they want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, Peter?
1: Uh, Nick, Nick I'm com. sorry. <laughs> no, I, I get that a lot, actually. Uh, NickPetrie.com.
2: Great. We'll put links there as well. And uh, Nick, it's always fun uh, chatting and catching up. Thank you so much for taking time to come back on the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Hank. You really do always ask uh, interesting questions. This is always one of my favorite conversations. So thank you.
0: Both Barrels Publishing is the brainchild of successful indie author James P. Sumner. He has self published over 15 titles in the last five years. And has over 800,000 downloads so far in his career meaning he has a wealth of knowledge and experience to share with the indie publishing community knowing the struggles of the modern day indie author as well as he does he wanted to create a platform that would allow writers of any level to learn the ropes navigate the pitfalls and produce a professional novel without wasting time or money in the process both barrels publishing is the perfect one-stop shop for any indie author Combining James's expertise with his own team of editors and designers so you can help your novel realize its full potential and learn how to publish yourself. The purpose of both Barrels Publishing is to help indie authors get their novels ready for publication without all the stress, hassle, and unnecessary expense. We want to make your lives easier, which is why we're giving you access to a top-notch team to publish your novels along with a generous discount on their services. You can also work one-on-one with James to learn the intricacies of self-publishing. No hidden costs, no false promises. We simply want you to publish the best version of your novel. Bothbarrelspublishing.com.